delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. A massive show tonight. I really mean it too. Off the back of Shane Van Gisbergen's mighty win in the NASCAR Cup Series. Owen Kelly to join us, a former stock racer himself, former NASCAR driver, to talk about Shane's debut and what that may mean for him over in the UK. We're also joined by full-time Cup Series journalist Jeff Gluck from The Atlantic. We'll get his US angle and see what it really does mean for Shane stateside. Plus, Team 18's head honcho, Charlie Schwerkolt, to join us to talk about what this win by Mark Winterbottom in Darwin has done for his team. All that to come, Mark Walker, Richard Quayle, right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, joining me as he always does off the top of the program, Richard Quayle. G'day to you. Shebex, big week in motorsport. Huge week in motorsport. Geez, we've got heaps to talk about. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, of course, is the main story from the weekend we've had, but also a big weekend coming up for supercars in the streets of Townsville. Yeah, back to some longer distance racing, Shebex, which will be great. At a really good event, a really good street circuit, always well attended, always dramatic racing up there. And I wonder if our next guest who you're about to introduce, uh, I wonder if he's looking forward to that, given what's happened to his race team in the last few weeks. We talk about momentum in football, don't we, and how teams can really just build on that momentum week in and week out. I wonder if it's the same with supercar teams. I'm sure it is. Charlie Schuercholt joins us to talk about his fantastic win in car number 18 with Mark Winterbottom up at Darwin. Charlie, congratulations from everyone, mate. What an amazing thing to happen to the team. Uh, thanks, Tony. Thanks, Richard. Yes, no, thrilled a bit. We we really, really needed this to happen and uh, been long overdue. Frosty always promised me a win when he came on board and uh, he's finally delivered and uh, no, it's fantastic. We spoke to Frosty on the show earlier in the year and, and I was taken by how driven he remains, how focused he is about delivering those results and, and also I think how confident in his own ability to do the job. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally agree, Richard. Look, he's an incredible man. He's a great operator. And, and uh, when he came on board from his last uh, role at Tickford, he said, I'm going to deliver. I'm going to continue to strive and deliver for you. And uh, he just works so hard at it. And he brings some, introduces people. He does the whole gig. But when he drives, he really puts everything into it. And, you know, he's had a, a quite a few sessions this year in this new Gen 3 Camaro that he's he's topped the sessions. I think there was one in Grand Prix and one in somewhere and you know and he he keeps striving and finally he's put it all together and he's got that elusive win that we've all been looking for and for frosty it's been a few years between wins for you it's been even longer i couldn't believe as i went through the record books 2010 with james courtney don't rub it in tony (laughs) but anyway charlie (laughs) it is a long time between drinks and i've been trying very very hard ever since and uh uh, it was great to step on the podium. So that's the last time I've ever stepped on the podium in 2010. And here we are, uh, yeah, what's that, 13 years later, finally get up there again. So, yes, long time between drinks, but, yes, thrilled a bit. Is that, te- is, sorry, is that 14-year gap, is that testament to just how hard it is in this game to actually win as a privateer team? It is. It's really, really close. As you know, with the Gen 2 car, the Commodores, it was close all the way through. And, and we, we were 
uh, all Triple Eight sort of set up and build and and sort of we were copying them and and just trying to beat them or get data from them and make it all work. But now we're on our own now and we're doing doing we're we're selling our own boat the same as every other team and we're we're going our own direction and and uh, hopefully we continue that on. But it's as you could probably see it. At, um, at Darwin, the whole field in qualifying was six-tenths of yeah, a second from first crazy. to last, and it was nothing. It's crazy. Yeah, you're in business, Charlie, and, and the business move, world moves on very quickly from wins, but did you allow yourself from your, your race team point of view, did you allow yourself just a couple of days to soak it in and, and just dwell on, on what you guys had accomplished as a squad? Still soaking in. <laughs> <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> 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 Still, I'm, I'm, you know, I wanted to keep going forever, but... No, look, you've got to work so hard at this. This is the toughest motorsport category in the world, as we know, and you've just got to work and work and work. And And the thing is, never give up. And uh, at some stage, you feel like, am I ever going to get a win? And I know we've all been, you know, the whole team's been looking forward to Gen 3 because the cars are all the same, same upright, same same everything. You can build them yourself. And and, and building the cars and ourselves has been a, a massive job but it's really rewarding when we've we've come up a bit but it's it's up and down as you can see you know frosty won the race and the next qualifying session he qualified 21st i think he went off one or two tenths in turn one that was it and that dropped him down the order so you've just got to keep pushing hard and pushing hard and uh and uh make it work I want to know what drives you, mate, because as we said, 14 years, it's a long time between drinks. You probably had thoughts at times through that 14 years. Is it all worth it? And there's been plenty of men who have come through this business in supercars that have said the best way to make a small fortune is to start in supercars with a big one. Uh, What drives you? What has driven you to keep going to this point where you finally got this? Yeah, look. Is it the elusiveness of it all? Sorry. Is it the elusiveness at all? Knowing that it's there and you can grab it, you just got to do it? Yeah, look, it's tough, as I said, but I want to win. I'm, I'm passionate about the sport. I've got incredible partners around me. They're, they're really, some of them have been on the journey for 10 and 11 years, the, the Seiko Watchers, the Fuchs, the, the Stanley Black and Deckers and all these wonderful people and, and you want to deliver and I really want to deliver for them. So that win meant, so much to all them and they're you know i had 500 texts on that win which is just amazing and and it was a very busy time for to getting all them done but it it's you want to win you want to you want to achieve so much in your life and i'm i'm a big achiever and i've got a fantastic business with waverly forklifts and and it is a really really good supercar team it's independent we're doing everything ourselves and and uh to strive to win it's everything so yeah i love it like most and I love team... it more now, obviously. Yeah, I love it absolutely. Yes, yeah, so you should. So you should. Yeah. Um, like most team owners in the paddock, you, you've been on the receiving end of some Shane Van Gisbergen beatings over the last 10 years. Um, what, what's your take as a rival team owner, I suppose, someone who tries to go out and beat him every week? What's your take on what he achieved Monday morning, our time over in NASCAR racing? Um, the NASCAR race thing I thought was extraordinary. I really, I watched, I couldn't, I was time-wise, I couldn't watch it, but um, I watched the highlight package for an hour and it was incredible feat what he did. And I'm I'm very proud of what he did. And I think it's great for supercars. It's great for NASCAR that someone of his ability can just go and do that. 
and, and go and win straight off the bat. I think it's fantastic. You know, he's, he's dropped off just a little bit in Gen 3. He struggled a little bit with heat and setups and all that sort of stuff. And Brock's beating him and all that. And that's how competitive we are here. And we've been nudging him a little bit as well. And um, But for him to go and do that, I, you know, I've, I've watched most NASCAR races and, yeah, incredible. And the street track, the whole thing, yeah, that no, was fantastic. And, and good for the category. Charlie, do you see this as a real positive that our drivers, about the level that they're at, NASCAR's a, a tough old game, and sure it was on a street circuit, and sure it was um, in a really unique set of circumstances for that category, but it, it's good from our point of view, I would have thought, to showcase just how damn good it is, and if you're Mark Winterbottom going out in a, a Team 18 Camaro and beating this guy, how good's Frosty, you know? Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. When Frosty, speaking of Frosty, he was he did the Brazilian stock car race there for yeah. three years. Yeah. You know, first, second, third was the worst he'd be. And he did that for three years. And and uh, he's right up there. The, the calibre of our drivers in supercars is extraordinary. It really is. And and we've got no bad drivers. You know, there's really, there's no bad drivers in our series. And I think they'd all have a good crack. But I'd certainly love to see Shane on an oval because that's a different kettle of fish there. But I think he'd be right up there still. But yeah, there's a lot to learn with that. But he'd, he'd learn it pretty quick. He's, he's a good operator. Charlie, when we speak to drivers about their wins, we, we ask them what it means to them and all that sort of stuff, especially that first elusive win. What does this mean for your team, especially commercially? Have you had an influx of calls in the last week or two of people wanting to be involved and, and be a part of it? I wouldn't say newcomers coming on board, but it, it keeps your sponsors in longer. They 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 can see the drive that I've got to keep them on and look after them, and we look after them extremely well. But um, they're all very happy for the win. As I said, we had 500 texts, and it, it's, it just cements all those relationships a little bit further because they believe we can do it, and I know we can do it. And uh, so, yeah, it's great. And just on that can do it, obviously that belief now is with the team as well. And, and and I spoke at the start about momentum for football teams. This is obviously an amazing momentum for you guys that you've never experienced before. And you would expect now that going into Townsville, the team goes there with so much confidence. It does. You know, look, I know um, they're going on on a high for sure. They've been practising pit stops and all that sort of stuff very, very hard. We've got a longer race, which is which is, uh, I think, helpful for strategy, longer fuel stops, et cetera. Yeah. I think there's more opportunity to play around a little bit there. But the the team, you know, some of the, some of our mechanics have never seen a win. Some of them have been there seven or eight years in the team. They've never seen a win. So for them, yeah, it's they're, they're on a real buzz and a real high. And uh, oh, it'd be great just to carry the momentum through, even get a podium or, you know, even top fives. You know, it's so tight, this category, as we said. But... Uh, if we're up there, I tell you what, I'm going to be very, very late. And I think we can. And I think Scott Pye can get up there too. Um, so, yeah, but I'm I'm really pumped for the team at the moment. Do, do you reassess goals for the second half of the year? I don't know what your goals for the year were, but do you sit back and go, okay, well, maybe we can, we can achieve something a little bit more now we've ticked that box? Well, the best thing about this, it wasn't a flash in the pan, as in he won on merit. There was no... Yes. You know, half a dozen cars fell out or anything like that. It was completely on merit. He qualified well. He raced well. We pit started well. And it all just came together. And you've got to get 100 things right. If you only get 96 right, you're going to miss out and because people jump you and whatever. But to get 100 out of 100 right, it's, it's rare, and we've just got to continue doing it. So that we've just got to keep practicing, make it better and better, and just 
don't make mistakes. And uh, if we don't make mistakes, I think we'll be up there. But I, I think we can continue that momentum. You know, at the start of the year, building our own cars, where are we going to be? I wanted both cars in the top 10. And we've been up there, down there, up there, down there. And I think Frosty's 11th or something now. But if, you know, yeah, look, the goals, top fives and top threes and, you know, another win or two would be just amazing. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. You've just got to keep building and building. So, couple of top fives uh, for these long races in Townsville, I'd be blown away. Final question for you, mate. How tough was uh, Sunday after Saturday night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were. We were stayed at the hotel, lots of pizzas and beers, and and we celebrated. You know that the guys all had to fly. We all had to fly out on Sunday night at that one a.m. Red eye shocker, but yeah. um, um, but I think they were fairly happy when they hopped on the plane. No, it was it was really good to celebrate with all them. Fortunately, we had our two naming rights, the both naming rights sponsors, Eno Truck on Car 20 and Stanley Black and Decker on Car 18. They were up there as well, and it's great to celebrate with those partners because, as you know, we can't go racing without our special partners. So they were there, and we had a lot of fun, and uh, we've got a team dinner when we go into Townsville, and it'll be steady and uh, work hard, and uh, let's see if we can do it again. And we find you in Perth at the moment, uh, establishing a, a new uh, a base over there for Waverley Forklifts. Yes, Tony. Yes, over here at the moment, still at work. Few few new deliveries and uh, building Waverley Forklifts is a national company, and we've never had our own facility in Perth. And finally, we've we've started one, and uh, it's going to be a ripper over in Perth. Over here, it's fantastic. We've got a great site, great management, and uh, and overseeing the, the the branch get together for its first opening this week has been really exciting. So uh, I'm going to go from Perth over to Townsville and uh, and go and do some racing, which is uh, yeah, I'm really really excited to get to Townsville. So going in on a high. Sounds like everything's going fantastically well for you, mate. Congratulations on that. And congratulations, as we said, on the win. May continue through Townsville and right throughout the remainder of 2023. Thanks so much, Tony. Thanks, Richard. Really appreciate it. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you both soon. Charlie Soquat joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. Well, Quasi... Uh... An amazing feat by Shane Van Gisbergen on Monday. And we thought we would have a chat to a guy who's been over in the States and has driven in this category. He's had the one cup start and a half a dozen starts through the Xfinity series. So he knows what it's like to be a part of this uh, this circus called NASCAR and just how much a win can help a person move forward. Owen Kelly joins us for that chat. G'day, Owen. How are you? Good to be Good, here. buddy. Good. Uh you obviously watched him. You you saw what happened. It wasn't surprising, I don't think, for most of us that he was going to be at least top three. But to get the win, that is just a fantastic effort. Yeah, no, it is. It's unbelievable, really. And, um, you know, we, we talked about it a bit beforehand. And I said to him, you know, that not not that he, he knew it was going to be tough. And um, I said, those blokes, you've only got to show them something once and they're doing it. Like, people think they're oval races, but they're... They're world class, and um, uh, for him to go in and do what he did was just unbelievable. And uh, I was confident that he would be top five. Um, and honestly, I'm not super surprised that he won the race. But you just need everything to go right. You need, you know, good pit stops. You need a little bit of luck, like any race. You need uh, everything to happen correctly for you. And um, uh, and it all it all went. Um, all went to plan and he did his bit perfectly and um, as he normally does. Hmm. And um, yeah, it was just, just extraordinary really. 
Oh, and are you surprised at the, oh, I don't know what the right word is, the feedback, I suppose, that it's had, especially from, from the Australian media and how big it's gone? Because it's been massive news for two days now. Yeah, yeah, no, um, no, I'm not surprised. I mean, it, that's that's huge, and um, where where he's probably um, the bit he won't be aware of yet is how many millions of people watch that thing, and mm. um, the recognition he'll now like that one race. He'll be more um, well known in America and popular there than he is in Australia and New Zealand now. You know, but just purely from the amount of people. Yeah. Um, so it's um, no, I wouldn't underestimate it. It's um, it's huge. And you know, we we um, I said to him beforehand. Once they know you and they see you do it and you tick the box, which he'd done by qualifying, obviously, um, then you're accepted. They'll um, they'll know that um, you can do the job and like the rides will come much easier now. And because uh, um, you, you're a proven thing, you know, whereas. You can sit there and tell them. Um, I mean, I, I I spoke to a couple of teams on Shane's behalf back in 2016 when I was there, um, and you know it's just hard to get anyone to latch on because they don't know they don't know the name, they don't know the series, they don't know um, not all of them, but a lot of them. They just don't. It's not in their immediate bubble, and they just you know it's just not in their thing, and they don't know the bloke. They haven't seen seen him do it so they just don't um catch on and um so but once you go there and you do it and you prove it then they definitely um you're accepted then you're in the a lot has obviously changed since 2016 there's the fact that he's a three-time supercar champion did that make life easier for him um to get the ride you mean to get the ride yeah yeah i think um um, by the sounds of how it all come about, um, uh, certainly, yeah. If you got championships next to your name, that's definitely, um, definitely going to uh, going to help, isn't it? But um, and Justin Marks that owns the team or the major sort of owner there, he um, he's probably one of the fewer guys out of all the team owners there that really looks outside of America and um, and with the the whole Project Ninety One concept is based around bringing international guys um into nascar and um so straight away they're looking you know outside their own bubble aren't they whereas so it's a bit unique in that regard um and uh yeah just amazing to um to pull it all off because you got to remember too what a lot of people wouldn't think about is um you've got the two teams in the points um you know the ross chastain and daniel suarez uh, in the you know in the they're they're in a, in the championship and in the hunt and uh, and they won last week and so when it comes to the pit crew they've got the best blokes mm-hmm. and um, there's always a sort of an A and a B team and um, and blokes that are coming back from injury and and these yeah. sorts of things with the pit crews and whenever you whenever there's a one off race it's just inevitable that you'll you won't have um, as good a pit crew overall and they're you know it's a they're all good guys and they're good at what they do but they've been thrown together to do this one-off race and there's no way that they'll be uh, a well-oiled machine like the guys that have been that have already done 15 straight weekends together um 
and and it's so close that and you if you go back and have a look, you know, most of his pit stops he lost um they lost spots on pit road. And um you gotta make all them back up. Mm. And uh so um you know the, when you take all that into account, it just even adds even more to the um to how extraordinary the whole thing was. We've coming up in the show, Owen got a chat with Jeff Gluck, who's a, a NASCAR journo who, who covers every round of the championship. He's a legend, lovely guy, and yeah, um, and really switched on with the sport. But he he was one of a number of people that was sort of hands up, going, "Oh, we don't know a huge amount about this Aussie Supercar series." And his reaction when Shane said in the press conference on Sunday night, "There's ten blokes in that category that could do what I've done." was really interesting. So what what's your take on what this does for our drivers here in giving them that motivation that, hey, you could go and have a crack at this and potentially be successful given they're, they're closer now than they've ever been, aren't they? NASCAR and, and supercars in terms of spec and the way they go racing. Yeah, 100%. And um, it's definitely made it a lot easier. And, um, you know, I spoke with Shane, I don't know, a month out and, and he said, you know, what what can you tell me about it? And I said, well, as far as the car goes, um, I can't tell you a lot because the because the cars are, you know, they've changed since I drove them, the cars yeah. are completely different. And I said, they're as close now as to a supercar as, as they've ever been. So um uh but I do know, I said, you know, they'll go about finding group and um setting the car up entirely different to what you used to. Um, the terminology will be different. The philosophy will be different. Some things won't make sense, but they make it work. They got their own way of doing things, and they're very, very clever. Um, and some things you'll you just think, oh, that's not going to work, but it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just just have an open mind. And um, but yeah, as far as the other blokes, um, you know, and, and the cars being so similar, I, you know, I think he was being a pretty humble saying there's probably 10 other blokes do exactly what he did because you know i don't think there's 10 other shane van gisbergens in the supercar grid um i'm not saying there's blokes that couldn't go over there and do a really good job but um i i've you know we've we've all probably got the same opinion that he's pretty special and uh um i mean that you know you only got to look at jumps in a sprint car third start out i think you know wins goes in that world rally car thing podium um, I mean, you know, that open wheel at the New Zealand Grand Prix yeah. Uh, yeah. comes from the back wins, you know, and no matter what the category is and what the level is everywhere in the world, there's some, there's a couple of blokes in that category that have been doing it a long time that have got the whole thing wired that are talented blokes that, you know, they've got that system set up in that car that, um, and it's hard to win in every level at every, in every category. And, he just jumps in any of them. And um, so I don't think there's another 10 chains out there, but, um, but it's certainly the, uh, it'll open, open the, um, uh, the door a little bit wider, I suppose. Um, now the cars are, are closer. I mean, there's teams that have been buying old supercars with this new car. They've bought some old supercars that they've converted in certain ways to, um, to go and test with. Um, because they're not, they're not allowed to go and test with their cars, so they've actually been buying old supercars okay. out of Australia to because um, of the similarities. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely uh, 
definitely going to help. But having said that, there's not that many Project 91s going around either. No, no. Well, that was going to be my question then. Does this? So if Shane wanted to do NASCAR full-time in 2024, does this give him that opportunity to do that? Or there's still a lot of water to go under the bridge before that could happen? I think um, he certainly put himself in the in the best position for that to happen. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it all comes down to is there a sponsor on the side of the car for thirty six races, and um, that that'll you know um, go with Shane and um, and do that. And um, which you know, if anyone can pull that off, it'll be Justin Marks. Um, I think it'd be awesome to see. I've got. You know, no doubt whatsoever, he'd adapt to the ovals really, really quickly. Um, that's a whole nother uh, discipline in itself, but he's adapted to so many far out things that that'll just be another box that he ticks. And um, uh, so, I think it'd be unreal if he um, if he did that. And I think he should because, at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm sure Jamie doesn't want to see him go out of Triple Eight, but. Um, at the end of the day, he can always come back and race supercars for another yeah. 10 years later on, can't he? So Yeah, correct. Correct. Mm. It's be interesting to see how it all pans out. Yeah, yeah it will be. It would be, uh, be, be awesome if he did it. Yeah, totally. Now, I'd encourage listeners to go and listen to Rusty's Garage um, long-form interview that Rusty did with you last year, I think it was, which covers off a lot of your time in the States and some of the stories from that and, and brilliantly done as well. But... Um, you're one of a few Aussies or, or people from this part of the world, indeed, that's had a, a cup start. Do you have fond memories of the cheese at 355 at Watkins Glen in um, in 2013, that, that cup start that you made alongside Marcus? Yeah, yeah, I do. And um, uh, it was, uh, no, it was it was an awesome day and awesome experience. And, um, uh, yeah, I'd, you know, I, it was one of the races. There's races that I know, I know I was at, and I can't tell you a single thing about them. But the, but mm. that one, I can nearly tell you, you know, corner by corner the whole thing. It was, um, um, yeah, really, really special. And uh, it was funny. Uh, we used to, you know, particularly with the late models, we used to race on Saturday nights, and um, so Sunday was your off day, and uh, it was always, you know, get home from the tracks bit of sleep, get up, and then, righto, where are we watching the cup race? And uh, every Sunday, you know, where are we going to watch the cup race? You're either going you're going somewhere to watch that and um, hang out with the boys. And uh, I remember coming to the green flag down the straight thinking, where are we watching the cup race this week? You know, we're, we're watching it through the windshield. We're, we're right here. So. <laughs> it was... Uh, yeah, good. No, that, that was um, uh, definitely um, at the top of my list as far as... Um, cool days and um uh you know swapped a bit of paint with jeff gordon for a while and you know guys like that that have since retired that um that you grew up watching and idolizing it was uh yeah definitely um definitely special well speaking of racing you are still going at it and you're going at it in a championship this year that has exploded and we're talking about the trans am series which has been ferociously competitive this year and you're right in the thick of things up against guys like James Moffat, young Lockie Dalton, who's doing a, a super job. Tommy Heyman's been very consistent. How are you finding it? Um, and, and what's your experience of the championship so far? No, we're, um, yeah, we're, we're having fun and um, it's a great championship. We really like the cars. It's, you know, they're very, uh, well, they're obviously from America and 
um they're a lot like what we used to run over there and uh so it's um somewhat familiar and um you know yeah i like what it's about and um the, the cars are really fun to drive and um uh, at, like anything they could probably use another two or three hundred horsepower would be awesome but um did you always say that and uh, uh and the competition's really good and um you know it showed last year Brody Kostecki come and did a round and you know he was in the mix but he wasn't um you know no one comes in there and dominates so it's um it's good to get those guys in there to um to show the uh, competitiveness of it and uh uh we've had with this year though we've um yeah we've had a shocker so far you know uh, i don't know if it's luck or um just thing few things gone wrong here and there and what have you so we're not um quite where we want to be but um yeah we just you know we do the same thing every time we, we don't really change the plan we just go out and try and try and win every race and let the points take care of themselves well, hopefully your win's not too far away for you, buddy. Thanks for your time today. Really do appreciate it, Owen. And we'll catch awesome. you soon. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Owen Kelly joining us here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. You're listening to the On The Grid podcast. And the big story of the week, of course, is what happened in Chicago Monday morning Australian time. It was remarkable. We'll be talking about it for a long time. But we wanted to get the insight from somebody on the ground. And from a US approach and see what the impact on NASCAR, on the Chicago street race, and indeed the future for what could come for Shane Van Gisbergen. And there's no one better than the lead NASCAR reporter for The Athletic, Jeff Gluck, who joins us on the line now. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, this is really cool. I'm, I'm really glad you guys um, asked me to come on here because uh, I, I'm curious to hear your your perspective too, honestly. I mean, we're so in our little bubble here in the U S and, you know, there's a lot of people this weekend going, I wonder what they thought of that in Australia. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's fascinating to see, you know, sort of the crossover and worlds colliding, so to speak. Uh, the, the hot take from Aaron, I think was that it was pretty cool. What, what's been the feedback been like in the, the 24 hours as we talk since Shane got that checkered flag and, did the burnouts in the twilight there in Chicago after an incredible race. What, what's been the overriding feedback about what he's achieved? You know, I think people are, I think people are half surprised and half like, oh yeah, well, th this makes sense. I mean, the problem is you could say, you could take somebody with the best credentials in the world, which I mean, he's right up there. Right. But like Lewis Hamilton or whoever, but over and over and over again, we've just seen that when somebody tries to come into NASCAR, it's just such a different style of racing, such a different discipline that it just, I mean, look at, look at Kimi Raikkonen has made two starts in the exact same program that Shane was in. Right. And I mean, he didn't come anywhere close, even, even in qualifying practice, whatever, to doing any sort of the stuff that Shane was doing. Even one of the races was at circuit of the Americas where, Kimmy had won in formula one. So you'd think, okay, well, great car guy knows the track, you know, but you know, he's just off. I mean, it's, and, and it's, it's nothing. I don't think that says anything about somebody's talent, but it's just, it's very tough when you're, you're not used to how they race and all that stuff. So for him to come in and do what he did, it's just like, it's just mind blowing in a lot of ways. But then again, you go, okay, well, wait a minute now you know, the next gen car that they have 
is probably the closest thing to a supercar. None of the, I mean, probably 90% of the cup field yesterday had never raced on uh, a street circuit in their life on in any level. Right. So that's a pretty big, you know, disadvantage. Um, I mean, yeah, they can do a road course, but they're not used to racing between walls on a, a circuit. Um, and I think, you know, like they were, all the drivers were buzzing about his footwork all weekend too. Like as soon as they saw the camera that was on his foot, they're like, well, we can't do that. Like Kyle Larson said, uh, before the race even started, if that's what it takes to, to drive in supercars, I guess I'll never be able to, to go there and make a start. Cause I, he's like, I could never do that. Hmm. So I guess when you add everything up, like you're sort of like, okay, yeah, I could see how this could happen. But just since it never had had happened, um, I think that's where sort of the surprise came in. I don't think it was a terrible surprise to us that he would adapt to the cast quickly because I think that's what he does. Like he's won GT races all around the world and he's been racing them for 15 years now. And he's very good at that. And it's all left-hand drive and different gear changes and all those little things that everyone's surprised that he's able to do. I think what surprised us most is that it was a sensible race from NASCAR mm-hmm. road course. And that's what we were sort of going, well, he'll be at the front, but no doubt someone will use him up and put him in a fence sometime. Absolutely. And I think that the big difference there would like, and, and I think if had it not been a street circuit, like had this been sort of a normal road course, um, I think that would have definitely happened, <laughs> you know, like people would have die bombed it in there or there would have been chaotic, you know, crazy, stupid restarts. But I think the drivers were pretty intimidated by the track itself. I mean, they were just not, I don't think anybody really ever got comfortable with like, okay, like I, I can get, get, I know how to find speed out of these corners. I know how far I can push it. Like, you know, the best of NASCAR were stuffing it in the tires and hitting the wall and, and with nobody around them. Right. I just don't think they really knew their limits. And so they were racing the track as much as each other. And so I don't think they had time for the normal NASCAR shenanigans where they all go in and clean somebody out. And, um, it just, I, I just don't think there was that opportunity. And then on the last restart, you know, two or the last couple, I think he was just so much faster. Um, you know, no offense to Justin Haley who finished second, but he's never been in those situations before either. He's a second year driver and it's not like he, he, he's crashed in practice and started last. And he only got up there because they flipped the strategy when they shortened the race. So, I mean, it's not like he was, it's not like he's a, the top guy to go at Shane or something like that either. Um, but honestly, I mean, I think once, once I saw Shane get up to third, I was like, this is over. He's, <laughs> he's got this, this is, there's no way that these guys can hold him off. It's funny you say that Jeff, because I think we're in a similar mindset here. Um, and, and there's, Shane's box office for a whole lot of reasons. Uh, his diversity is one of them. And the fact that, you know, this is a guy that scored world rally championship points a couple of years ago. That's been on the podium in rallies. He races sprint cars over summer and amazing on the dirt, you know, can drive anything and be quick, but he's box office at the moment, because if he's leading a supercars race, you know, he's doing something special. But if he's not leading a supercars race, you tune in and watch because you know that he's going to do something special. And I think on that restart, there was following Twitter, especially and the Australian people following that race, there was a a little bit of deflation on that restart towards the end when he got shuffled right back down to 15th position after the the 15 car pileup or whatever it was there at turn 11. Um, 
but there was also a sense of all right, they're they're going to experience the real Shane Van Gisbergen because here in in races here, we'd all sit at that and go, oh well, there's still a very good chance he's going to win anyway because he can <laughs> he can find a way to win at the moment. He's just at that point in his career where he can just make stuff happen. I mean, it's I wish I wish the NBC announcers had known that. Well, first of all, I wish they could have said his name. Correctly. I don't know if that, that came through on the broadcast that you guys got, but if he's over there full time, how are we going to work through this? Cause that's going to be a major issue. <laughs> like I, I just, it doesn't seem that hard to pronounce to me, but I, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I, I, I think maybe he caught so many people off guard. People are like, Oh, that's a nice story. But it's again, like even going back to the Kimi Raikkonen thing, it was like the difference of Shane coming in and Kimi coming in like media wise and attention wise. I mean, it was sort of like, like with the Kimmy stuff, they were like, oh my gosh, like taking pictures of as every move, like what's he doing? Oh, he's getting in the car. Oh my gosh, he's putting on his helmet, you know, all this stuff. And, and with Shane, it was like, oh yeah, that, yeah, he came over. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Some people know that guy. Oh yeah. He's, he's won some championships, right? All right. You know, it was just sort of like, I don't think really anybody, including the broadcasters perhaps knew what was coming. <laughs> and uh, it just, I think it caught a lot of people by surprise. Drivers seemed like, I mean, Brad Keselowski tweeted after the race, like, I had no idea who this guy was when I was walking next to him on the track walk, but I know now. I was just like, how, first of all, how do you not know, I guess? But yeah, okay, you know. <laughs> now, looking to next year, let's just pretend that the race is definitely happening again and the, everything works out. The calendars will most likely line up because supercars, the way that the winter calendar here works in Australia, they race in Northern Australia and it always sort of lines up with the school holidays and 4th of July should be free. Australians and New Zealanders, should they be visiting Chicago? What's your view on the city <laughs> after that weekend? Oh, just, you mean not just to see Shane win? Are you saying that? Like yeah. Is, it, is it a worthwhile <laughs> trip for them? Um, well, okay. So it's interesting because if you ask a lot of NASCAR fans, um, you know, they were very opposed to yeah. going to this race because the media coverage over here, you know, we're a very divided country, right? And so half the people listen to one type of media, half the people listen to the other. So one type of media, you know, the conservative media is telling these people, you know, oh, there's all these shootings in Chicago. It's so dangerous. It's unsafe, you know, liberal city and it's fallen apart and all this stuff. And so I think a lot of NASCAR fans are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're going there. Like I've got all these tweets this week that were like, are you going to need armed security like, do you have a bulletproof vest? All these things like that. Look, I mean, we have we definitely have a problem with guns in this country for sure. But every city, I think, has good and bad parts. That part of Chicago is a very nice part. I mean, it's a beautiful park, nice hotels. I mean, it's the it's beautiful. It's nice. It's I never felt unsafe walking around there. It's you know, there's another part of Chicago that's quite dangerous, and I think a lot of people would not want to go there. That's where all the headlines get come from. But to conflate those things, it's sort of like this doesn't really add up. So I think, you know, look, most of the hotel, there's probably like, I don't know, 10 hotels or more uh, nice hotels, like right across the street from the track, because it's right on this very famous street uh, with tons of stuff. We stayed across the street from the track. We never really left, you know, a several block radius the whole time anyway. Um, not that I would have been worried about it, but, um, it, you know, there's restaurants there, and, and you just walk to the track. It's so easy. It's a, mm. it's great. It's a street course, which we don't, you know, in, in the U S 
unless you're talking about IndyCar, we don't really get a lot of that. So um, I thought it was cool. I I definitely recommend people coming. I I love I love Chicago. Chicago in the summertime. Chicago in the winter, when it's frigid, you might as well go to Antarctica or something. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> well, it it did the trick, and and part of the reason that governments in this part of the world throw money at street races is because it promotes the region. So the Gold Coast in October, you get these amazing shots of the skyline along the beach and race cars weaving through it. IndyCar was there for a long time. It's the same in Adelaide. We're going to Townsville in North Queensland this weekend. It's exactly the same thing. Um, I watched that race on Monday morning going, well, Chicago looks incredible. That is absolutely a place I want to go. And if if it's a bit of motorsport tourism, then 100%, what a, what a great thing to go and do and see a city that I might not have ever in the States decided to go and, and look at. But th- do you see more of this in NASCAR's future, Jeff? Is there more street racing on the way? It's a staple in IndyCar, of course, but it's it's the big new adventure for NASCAR racing. Will they have more, do you think, after the what looked to be a pretty successful kickoff for them, despite the weather? Yeah, I I really think this was an, an experiment in a lot of ways. Like, can we do this? not just in Chicago, but can we do this period, right? Um, can these cars race, you know, on this type of track without looking like clowns? Can we get into a city successfully? Can we work with the local government? Um, NASCAR though had to, I mean, they had to put 50 million US dollars into this. I think it was actually a lot more than that, but that's what they're admitting to anyway. Um, that's a ton of, I mean, they've never spent anywhere close to putting on any event like this. Even the LA Coliseum stadium race that we had. Mm. I mean, that was a a few million dollars, I think, but nothing like this. So I think now that they've done it, they can definitely, whether it's Chicago or, I mean, I think they could take this international if they wanted to. Um, I mean, any city that would probably help financially, they'd probably be um, on board with that too. But I, I definitely think you could see one, maybe two street races a year, um, in starting within a few years for NASCAR. Cause I think this is something, I mean, the TV ratings just came in, you know, a couple hours before we started here and they, I think it's, you know, cause, uh, we have the broadcasters split the season here. So the second half of the season, this is the most watched race in the second half of the season in six years. Hmm. Um, and so th- it's, it's a mega rating. It almost got, it, it came very close to beating the Indy 500 rating here in the U S. So there was a lot of people that watched it, a lot of interest. Aside from the rain, it was it was pretty much flawless weekend. The one thing I'm a NASCAR fan, but I'm probably a bigger fan of the NASCAR media because the news cycle that you guys run over there is so different. Uh, I love listening to your podcast, The Teardown, but you wind up having 37, 38 races a year. Everything just churns over so much, and there's so much fodder that the media is able to have. It's it's really fascinating to watch from a distance uh, how you guys handle that. That's interesting you say that because I just, I don't really have another uh, perspective, I guess. Um, It's, you know, it it can be good and bad, right? Because it keeps things interesting at times when there's something to be talking about. But when you get in some of those ruts that happen in NASCAR from time to time or late in the season when everybody's exhausted. Yeah. And it seems like every week is something negative or something, right? And then you feel like you're in this rut of, Oh my gosh, you know, everybody's in a bad mood and this was a terrible race. And now we got another boring track or, you know what I mean? And it's just, it feels like you're just like, Oh, this is just, why are we doing this? 
But then when you have some positive things like this weekend and then um, Nashville was the week before this, which, which went really well and things like that, you're like, wow, NASCAR is on the rise. Like, well, you, you feel some momentum. Everybody's in a good mood. But it's really hard to wide, wide, ride those waves of emotion because for a long season like that, they're constantly just going up and down and sort of like everybody in the industry senses it. You know what I mean? Final one for me. And we really appreciate your time, Jeff. Thanks so much for, for giving up your morning and, and jumping on for a chat. Um, I, I'd love to know, those of you of us that follow you on Twitter, there's one thing that stands out. You know where I'm going with this. It's the quiet track photos. And they have been enormously popular and much imitated by promoters, by team PRs, by track PRs, the whole lot all the way around the world. I think we've been guilty of it here as well. Where did the idea for a quiet track photo come from? Because I love it. It's just, it's perfect social media content. Where did that genius idea come from? Uh, just total accident, honestly. I mean, it started when, you know how it is like, you, you cover these races, right? And, you know, there's this after, especially right after the race, there's the swirl of everybody's going on pit road and people are getting out of their cars and interviews here and all this stuff. And, you know, we always go back in the media center and we just start writing and working, podcasting, whatever, right? By the time you come out and like reemerge into the world, like it's three hours later, everybody's gone. All the trailers, every, you know, drivers, they're, they're home. Um, and it's like completely quiet. It's like peaceful. It's like there was nothing ever that ever happened there except like there's tire marks or sort of strands of confetti blowing across in the breeze and you're just like, wow, this is crazy. And and a lot of times at these tracks, the security is left too. So you just kind of wander out there and you're just standing there and you're just, you know, looking at this place. You're like, wow. So it's so like the, the contrast between how loud and insane and crazy this was, and then just complete peacefulness by yourself. So I think I just started, it's probably like 2010 ish or something. <laughs> um, just after a race being like, ah, like here's quiet track, you know? And uh, I, I, I'm like a, a, a person, a creature of habit, I guess. So I, I like routine. So I just, it always just sticks in my mind. Like, Oh, I got to do that before I leave, you know? Um, so there's sometimes I feel too much pressure though, because I'm like, man, I got to get this good. And I'm like wandering <laughs> around for 30 minutes trying to find the right angle or something. And I'm my, my stomach's ground. Like, come on, just go get dinner, dude. Like nobody's going to care. Just take your picture. But you know, that's, that's when you have it going for so long, you feel like you, you got to keep doing it, doing it the right way. They're really cool. We tend to get them in the early sort of Monday morning, you know, mid morning here and they're a nice way to start the working week here in Australia. So it's very cool. Anything from you, Mark? No, I'm just uh, glad that we're talking NASCAR here because it's normally me that's just banging on about yeah. NASCAR myself <laughs> and I'm here on the bike by myself. So this is great. <laughs> Jeff, thanks so much for your time. Uh, before we let you go, just give uh, any Aussie listeners uh, an idea of where they can follow your work uh, on The Athletic and, and some of the content you guys are, are pushing out. Yeah, we work for The Athletic. It's it's a subscription web sports website. Um, I don't really think we have Australian sports yet. I bet they someday will because they seem to, they've expanded into the UK and um, recently I think they've gone into Spain and stuff like that. So um, surely at some point somebody will go, Hey, there's, there's a market for that. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, I mean, we cover F1 and NASCAR, um, and then ever, all the American sports and all that stuff. Um, I don't know how people are, are people, is there a lot of paywall 
media subscription media in Australia now. Yeah. Yeah. People don't like it here. I get a lot of like, uh, why, why'd you put this behind a paywall? And I'm like, well, I mean, you used to buy a magazine or a newspaper. Not, it wasn't for free when you'd go to the airport and buy something to read on the plane. I, I don't really, really think it's too different. I mean, it's like, Hey, you want to read your articles on the plane or whatever. It's like, you pay, I don't know, but, um, yeah. So, uh, it's, it's been really fun though. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm on Twitter. Well, for now until it's killed. Um, <laughs> that's unfortunate, isn't it? <laughs> and then I'll be on, then I'll be on threads. The, the new, the new Twitter that's coming from Facebook. Yes. Um, I saw that. Yes. I need that to happen very quickly. Cause I'm, I'm about fed up with Twitter. So. Well, and that ties in nicely with Instagram as well, which means the quiet track photo will just go even further. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That'll help. <laughs> the alg- it'll get in the algorithm. It'll launch me. Yeah. Uh, I love Send it. Send me some quiet track photos from supercars races at some time too, if you can. We definitely will. And I'm sure there'll be some more subscribers to The Athletic from this part of the world if Shane continues to pop over there and do what he did on the weekend. Um, thank you so much for your insight. We really appreciate you giving up your time to have a chat and uh, look forward to following you throughout the remainder of the NASCAR season. Yeah, this was really fun. Hopefully he uh, comes back so we can we can talk again. Thank you. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. So NASCAR Juno, Jeff Gluck joining us here on The Grid. Tony Shebecki is back. Mark Walker is still here. Uh, I think we've well covered the um, the Shane Van Gisbergen story. Some great insights, Shebecks, from Owen Kelly. I I enjoyed that chat. He He's a guy that doesn't do an enormous amount of media. So it was good to get his insight from a, a local driver's point of view. Yeah. He's been there and, and done that basically. Yeah, exactly. And to know that he had sort of been involved in some way with Shane's decision and Shane's uh, move over to there. Fantastic. I, I was really surprised when he said that he had spoken to some teams on Shane's behalf back in 2016. So this has been in the works for a little while, hasn't it? Mm. It has. Mark Walker. What? What a story. Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> that fried me. That uh, Monday mornings aren't supposed to be that stressful, are they, really? No. It uh, was a roller coaster of emotion. It was, it was um, wasn't it? It has to be, and we, we touched on this in our chat with, with Jeff earlier, that it has to be the most watched NASCAR race in Australia. Because even when Marcus was going crazy with brad keselowski uh at watkins Glen. that was still in the wee wee early hours but was. there is not a person in australian motorsport i know that didn't have watkins Glen on fox or ko at some point on monday morning uh, on uh, chicago on fox or ko at some point monday morning that was a very well viewed nascar race in this part of the world well the 2011 win for marcus was at midnight on mm. monday night that's right yeah so no, nobody no saw that. that except no. you <laughs> and i mean the thing is too that uh you know marcus was a few years removed from australia at that mm. stage so you know we got some really good press around that but uh here's van gears who week in week out is belting everyone in australia and he's obviously got a, a lot of media behind him and he's just had a great run everywhere this week it's been fantastic and even over in the States, that was the highest rating NBC broadcast in six years and the second highest broadcast behind the Daytona 500 this year. So plenty of people over in North America got to see it, which is a fantastic thing for supercars. Yeah. I've got a feeling it took, sorry, Richard, I was going to say, I've got a feeling it took about 40 laps for the commentators to actually get his name right. (laughs) For a long time, I just kept calling him SVG, SVG. 
they couldn't even get some of them got Shane wrong, which was a bit disappointing. <laughs> I can't comment on this because I spent 24 hours at Lamar butchering Alessandro Piergetti's surname. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm not going to comment on that. It's it's hard sometimes, but um, yeah, I think honestly, the the rain, the delay to the start, it, it ran into twilight. That all the all the factors conspired to make it such a good TV spectacle. So pushed it into prime time in America. It pushed it later into the day in Australia so more people could watch. Um, certainly New Zealand, there would have been some lunchtime beers happening across the ditch on the Monday amongst the, the Kiwi racing community who we all know and love, and we all know they all love SVG and what he does. So, um, yeah, it was really good. And, and from a show, I think just to touch on the show, it was a bloody good car race. And, and it was probably... Yeah. Probably a lot different to what we thought it was. I, mm. I think a lot of people's expectations of a NASCAR cup race on a street circuit was what happened with that 15 car pileup, except that that would happen every corner when they tried to turn in, but they, for the most part, navigated a, a really challenging circuit in awful conditions at the start, especially, and then a drying track, which can often be worse. They negotiated it pretty well. Yeah. And, and the show was great. The actual race was pretty good. Like I questioned the lack of runoff at turn one six uh, intersection that they had there, where it's just a big long straight into a brick wall with some tires there. Mm. And at the start of the race, Cole Bush had a massive crash there. It was huge. He got wedged under the tires. Uh, and he finished fifth. Yeah, and they yeah. just dragged him out. Like if that was a Gen three car, would have written it off. <laughs> would have damaged the wall as well. Yeah, yes, exactly. 100%. Turns out all you need is fifteen rows of tires, and you're right. How yeah. tough. How tough is it for him to come back to Australia now and, and perform at Townsville? Oh, well, I don't honestly don't think it will be because it's what he does. Yeah, it, or he's been, to, to be fair to Shane, he has been incredibly consistent in his entire career in saying, all I want to do is drive. I just want to be in a race car every week. And this is what he's doing. Yeah, He went from Darwin, he went straight over and did a test at Charlotte on the Roval and then went straight to Chicago and then he's jump on a plane and come straight back and barrel into two 250k races on a street circuit in Townsville. I don't know what the hell he's going to do in the two weeks between that and Sydney Motorsport Park, but I'm <laughs> sure there'll be something, maybe catch up on some sleep, but I, I, I don't think it's a, a massive issue. To be fair, like he's got the job to do here because remarkably he's only, and I say only, um, only fourth in the championship and currently being beaten by his teammate more often than not. So he's actually got some, he's actually got some digging to do in this part of the world, which is, which is a really interesting storyline. Uh, I like when they were all getting around him after he qualified third. Mm. I was like, yeah. Well, hang on. This is, this is trouble because he can't qualify to save qualify. himself around here. <laughs> he jammed a third on the grid there. as like, well, boys, you're in a bit of strife here. When the uh, other, other than the that, other I'm thing... going to save, save some analysis for my hots. Okay. I'm just going to yeah. pump the brakes. Yeah. 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 The other, the other thing I enjoyed about Shane's performance is that um, there was a few people saying, it's lucky they do rolling starts because his starts haven't been much chop here either. No. So lucky he's doing rolling starts over there. So it was all just conspired to work perfectly for, uh, for SVG. So uh, no, it was a it was a hell of a thing. It was a but it was a good car race of X. And that battle for the lead was yep. great when he got past Justin Haley, and then the the safety car came out. He had to give the spot back, and then that exchange when he passed him, he got passed again, and then he repassed a couple of corners later. That was just good car racing yeah. anywhere in the world, let alone NASCAR trying to do it in the street circuit. So good stuff, Liked great it. stuff. Uh, we mentioned Townsville. 
of course, that is this weekend. Uh, it's going to be a good weekend, actually. And uh, what we do know, and I, I did like our chat with Charlie earlier on as well, is that there are teams now that are putting up their hands genuinely, saying we think we've got this. We've got this package nearly right. Yep, and 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 yet more curveballs thrown in because as we record, the parity adjustment has been announced for yeah. the Mustangs, so they're going to cop some rear downforce, rear wing angle, rear spoiler height on that car. So that will make a change to those cars, and and it'll be interesting actually to see the effect of that at Townsville because it is very much a hybrid circuit. It it is a straight circuit, but there is the permanent section around the back which has got some some medium speed corners which may prove and you know a, a gain for those cars where they've been struggling with their rear downforce um according to the supercar people so it's going to be interesting to see if that pays off and um it'll be an interesting example of what those cars are like over um over a 250k distance and whether the mustangs are good now over a, over a race distance relative to the chevy camaros and we'll all be learning so in, in some ways yeah the, the teams have got a good idea but also, they're now six months evolved from where they were at Newcastle. And also, there's this change to the Mustangs that we just don't know how that's going to play out. And it'll be a job for those teams, as good as they are, anyone in a Mustang, to spend Friday pounding around and working out the aero balance of the car and whether that, that requires any adjustments to the way they, they run their cars. Exactly. They got 60 minutes practice on Friday to figure it out. But I guess that's an admission that it wasn't just the four teams are incompetent. They found something that was wrong with it. Is it going to be a major thing? Don't know. I mean, there was bug rule in it anyway, really, mm. wasn't there? When you look at all a lot of those stats leading into this, um, yeah, wait and see. Hopefully it spices things up, but who cares? If SVG wins, that's going to be a good result anyway. Who cares? I do like our chat from last week where we were talking about the parody and what might happen. Well, yeah. yes. Yeah, uh, we were. Yeah. If, if, if this doesn't fix it for the Mustangs, do we then turn around and say it's the teams or do they do they dive even deeper? But the, the problem is, again, and this comes back to our DNM we had last week, in that you don't know because no, you, well, you don't. it's such a small sample size. So do you, do you have to then go through Sydney Motorsport Park, which is a circuit where an aero change will have significant effect? For sure. Because it's such a fast and flowing old joint. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe that's the difference. I don't, I don't know. It's... Um, it's really interesting, but yeah, it's so lots of storylines around around this weekend. You know, Erebus need to find some form, which sounds weird, but um, Hidden Valley was the first time all year where neither of their cars were on the podium at any point over the weekend. So that for them is a bad weekend this year. So they need to bounce back. Um, can Brock Feeney continue Mr. Sunday form? You'd back him in for the Sunday mm. win, wouldn't you? Really? Yeah. Um, well, that's one race Ford's not going to win, is it? Yeah, exactly right. Because I mean, Brock Feeney just wins the last mm. race on Sunday. It's what he does. Um, you know, does Chaz Mostert rediscover the form that they had at Newcastle? They got, yeah, they got some places because, um, because of the D the DQs in race one, but Chaz was legitimately quick in Newcastle on both days. So does WAU find their form on street circuits again? And, and does Cam Waters show his continued one lap pace and finally get a bit of luck going their way with a car that doesn't burn down and, and actually string a result together? There's, there's so many coulda, shoulda, wouldas. Well, and I mean, if Chas was able to make up 36 spots by qualifying terribly in Darwin, yeah. he's got 250 Ks races to deal with it on this weekend if he does still bugger up qualifying. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. 
Uh, you had an amazingly busy weekend, Richard. Not only did you have your eye on the cricket and also on uh, other things that were happening around the world motor racing-wise, there was Spa and 24 hours there as well. Yeah, and it was a good good race. Lots of yellow and, and some quite long yellows uh, at various points as you get sometimes in that and, and quite a big crash midway through BMW on the Kemmel Strait, which caused a, about a 45-minute yellow flag period. But then... The second half of the race was a, a pretty fast, flat-out sprint, and it was between four different manufacturers, which was really cool. It shows you how good GT3 racing is at the moment. 70 cars started that race. BMW ultimately got the win. Uh, Manti EMA, Aussie Link team, just missed out on a podium. Kevin Estra threw everything at it in the closing stages to try and get up to third place, but... The problem was he was trying to fight with people like Jules Gounon and they don't make it easy. These are the best GT races in the world. So really good. But, the, you know, the feel-good story was that um, Kenny Herbal got the got the Pro-Am win in Sun Energy 1 racing, the Bathurst 12-hour winners from this year. And a lot of that was down to the work that Chaz Mostert did. Um, he did a massive triple stint late in the race um, that dragged them into the class lead. And then he did another another big stint later on in the day to get them in a position to win their class. And that was after that car was written off and Kenny bought a new one overnight, literally overnight from his hospital bed and, um, and made sure that team was in the race. So full power to Kenny, he could have just packed up, but he wanted to make sure that they, um, they had an opportunity to drive and Chaz was a, an enormous part of that team. So well done to, um, well done to him and Jordan Love uh, got P5 in their class as well, driving a Mercedes. So good result for, uh, for the West Aussie. Yeah, and we also had uh, F1s in Austria and uh, just another Maxi win. Yeah, look, it, behind Max, it was a good race. It was, it was. Bit, the, the Max thing was almost arrogant in the end in that he had such a big margin. He was able to pit from the lead. Um, put On the last lap. Put, put tyres on for a two-lap run home so he could set fastest lap to get the bonus lap, bonus point, and he still won by five seconds. <laughs> but behind that, it was a cracker. Really good racing all the way through the field and positive signs for McLaren with Lando Norris genuinely competitive uh, in that car. So the upgrades look like they've worked, which is nice. So uh, onwards to Silverstone this weekend. I think the highlight there was the F2s, F3s, the Sprint, the Porsche Super Cup. That was amazing. Super it Cup was, was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah. There was some fairly spicy stuff in all the preliminaries. So uh even if it was a bit flat after the Grand Prix, which I'm sure we'll get to a bit later on here, but uh, all the other racing at the Red Bull Ring was good. And Silverstone, what a place. Love it. That's going to be a great Grand Prix. Yeah, fantastic. It will be. Hots and knots. Let's get straight into it, guys, because I'm sure that there's a fair bit to cover off on, in, at. Uh, where do we want to stop? Do we want to start with knots and end on a high? I'm happy to start on knots, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll, I'll launch into knots then, if you don't Roger. mind. Uh, why are we still using the fuel drop? That's a knot. Uh, these cars, are, Gen 3 cars, are more fuel efficient than the previous cars. They've got a bigger fuel tank than the previous cars. And what it does, or what it should be doing, is opening the potential for these 250k races to be really interesting strategic affairs. So who does a gamble on a two-stop race or a one-stop race or something like that? That that It bugs me that we're using this fuel drop thing that was invented for a reason that in theory doesn't exist anymore. So that's a not. Um, I will stand corrected if we have two thrilling strategy races this weekend. But at the moment, it's a not. 
uh, are not to track limits. Uh, oh. It was the talking point at uh, at Austria. They had more than 500 requests for investigation or, or strikes over the weekend. There was a thousand at Le Mans. It was a big story at Spa as well. Uh, and it, I just remember a comment that the great Garth Tander said during our coverage of the Bathurst 12 hour earlier this year, he said, Rich, there's never been a track limit violation at Reed Park because there's a bloody great big concrete wall there. Yeah. And he is a hundred percent correct. Can I expand on yours there? So 47 qualifying laps deleted on Friday. There were 1,200 yeah. instances of cars being cited during the race, which resulted yeah. in 83 breaches. 12 cars were penalised post-race. Yeah. Six cars demoted positions. And the final result was issued four hours and 51 minutes yeah. after the chequered flag. Yeah. It's without any on. warning, black and white warning flags issued during the race. So how yeah. are you supposed to tell the drivers that they're on their last strike when you don't tell them? Yeah. How is any of that pal- palatable? So- yeah. So can I extend on that then as part because this might not also included this is it a five second penalty is not a five second penalty anymore if the whole bloody field gets it no well, one gets penalized uh, unless you're Esteban Ocon and get thirty seconds because you've done no. it twenty times correct yes. and well done George Russell and uh, Yuki Sonoda who were the only two no sorry Joe Guanyu were the only two that didn't get penalised at any point. So yeah. well done, well done them. But uh, it's a not. It, we, we need to be beyond this in our sport now. It, it's becoming a joke. And and yeah. drivers are only ever going to take the mickey because that's what they do. They try and find the shortest way around the racetrack or the fastest way around the racetrack. Um, so now apparently, and, and this is the other thing that irritates me, is that the FIA went on this massive push a while back going, oh, there's got to be concrete runoffs, bitumen runoffs everywhere because it's safer. But now their recommendation to the A1 ring or to the Red Bull ring is that, no, there should be a gravel trap on the exit of those two corners because that'll stop the track limit breaches. Like, well, what are you going to be? Like, you can't be half pregnant here. Put a bloody great big concrete wall there. I guarantee you they're not going to get track limit breaches. They don't get track limit breaches at the swimming pool chicane at Monaco, do they? Because if you breach the breach the track limits there, you end up parked in a swimming. super yacht. So, no, they need to channel the old supercars from about the year 2000 at Pukekohe and just put a star picket there in the well, apex. exactly right. So it'll you, instantly flatten your, or put a yeah, landmine right. or something. Yeah, stop so it. you track limits, your car just gets destroyed. I like it. Uh, yeah, no, that that's it's a massive issue in the sport that needs to be rectified somehow, and I, I don't know how. Good luck to them. Um, cursory not, uh, it's been a month since the Le Mans test day. And I just don't know how that's occurred. It's terrifying that it's gone that quickly. Uh, and I do miss it. Um, a preempt, if not for the local motorsport media, when uh, an if Ford win this weekend and parody is fixed, what the hell are they going to write about? Good luck to them. That's going to be a, a massive challenge for them. So I wish them all the best. Uh, and uh, a massive not to Johnny Bairstow. Uh, yes. Yeah. And, and the entire England cricket team for that. Hello Especially their coach, on. Brendan McCallum. You know, Shane Van People Gisbergen. People in glass houses. Shane Van Gisbergen, line and length, you know, he kept it in his lane. And in cricket terms, he, he didn't walk out of his crease, did he? Correct. No, he exactly didn't. Right. He didn't. Can I just go with one knot? Because that's yep. all I've got left after I lost my uh, my track, track breaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, my single file restarts. I'm not a fan. Let him race. Let him go too wide. Oh, no, I'm Who okay cares if there's a bit of water? On the weekend, I was no, okay that with that. Is, that's yeah. fine. Come on. <laughs> that, that saved that race. 
Right. Go, Mark. Uh, mild takes blowing up on Twitter. Good grief. R- Richard, everything you tweet blows up. Doesn't mm. it just drag the worst parts of the universe onto your timeline? It How does. do you deal with it? It does. Uh, I ignore them. Oh, jeez. And the block button you, is very handy. It does your heading. Good grief. And also on that tweet deck, going behind a paywall. So oh, how am I supposed yeah. to find out about yeah. Hidden Valley Ranch dressing now? Yeah. Yeah. It we it it quite seriously off, opens some issues for the TRT power rankings, uh, we, which we'll need, to, we'll need to discuss. Um, NASCAR coverage. Um, radio call for a TV broadcast. <sighs> that wasn't great, was it? Mm. Uh, you, you got to commentator they're screaming about something that's not on screen for another 20 seconds that was rubbish uh and also some of the um some of the calls by race control there were baffling the uh the call to shorten the race it's all right in australia if you've got this time certainty you know that you're racing towards a time certain finish fans don't like it time certain rubbish finishes are rubbish but over there they absolutely balls that up and they nearly cost shane a win and also the fact that in that race where the big pileup was, Shane drove past the pileup, made up eight spots, and then they just reset the field and sent him back to 18th. Yep. So that was absolute garbage. Um, bad news this week for the organisers of the Bathurst 12-hour, Richard. Uh, Taylor Swift has scheduled an extra, extra concert for Sunday night at the MCG, meaning that the after-race concert at Reed Park won't be happening um, all I can suggest, maybe something Thursday night at the National Motor Racing Museum, maybe Reckless Brewing. Well, I think Reckless Brewing's possibly the better better venue for that. In that, that car park, there'd be room for the, the all the various yeah. Tay paraphernalia. Yeah, yeah, look, we we tried, uh, but unfortunately, the, the were, were you on Ticket Tech for a while there? The, the 115,000 <laughs> uh, seats they could sell at the MCG, we just can't compete with that yeah, at, right. at Mount Panorama. Can you not take a live feed from the G? It just lacks the same effect there. Yeah. Um, I just hope it doesn't quash our dreams of having Fernando at the 12 hour. So. Oh, he's still free. Yeah. He's fine. Yeah. Uh, check out Perez missing Q3 four times in a row. Not. Uh, he kind of redeemed himself a bit there, driving from 15th to third, but uh, old Checo's not going great. Hot for uh, Daniel. Some- no, well, possibly, yeah. We'll wait and see what happens there. Uh, not goes to Simon Pagino for his tumble there at Mid Ohio. Oh, what a Jesus shocker! Oh, yes. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Mm. Uh, that was suboptimal. And one final one here from me. Finally, per Autosport on Twitter, incredible scenes at Spa as a team member got booted from a support race notice WhatsApp group and handed a suspended two thousand euro fine for replying to a steward's decision with a swirl of brown poo emoji. Mm. Imagine mm. copping a two grand fine for a swirl of poo emoji in a chat. <laughs> I'd, I'd spend life in jail for what I put on the group chat. Yeah, you would. Uh, you would. You, yes. If, if you replied to Beto with that in Australia, you'd probably get your sentence reduced because he'd laugh at it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty tough. Pretty tough, isn't it? But yeah, no, you're right. That is a uh, that is definitely a not, or a, that's borderline what that one. Yeah, um, hots, hots. Uh, too much motorsport on the weekend. Uh, Never that was hot. There was so much. It was great. Really, really good. I had to set up extra screens. I went full nerd, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, I gave a hot super cup because that was genuinely a good super cup race, and they don't actually they're not often that brilliant. So that was a, a really really good. Um, Really, really good show. We talked about that earlier. 
Uh, I'm going to give a hot. We have to give a hot to Kenny Habul, but we talked about that earlier because he could have just saved his cash and not flogged a Mercedes AMG for 24 hours that he wasn't driving. Uh, but he decided to enter the car anyway, and I think that's an enormous commitment to the sport. So well done, Kenny. Massive hot to Alex Pillow, who is crushing them in IndyCar mm. and is going to win the championship by a million points. Um, hot to Scotty McLaughlin because on any other given race weekend of the year, an Aussie or a Kiwi finishing top five in an IndyCar race, you go, gee, that's amazing. Especially Scotty, who's come out of supercar racing and he's a regular top five contender in IndyCar, but uh, slightly overshadowed by what occurred uh, a little bit further down the road over there in Chicago. But well done, Scotty, building a nice campaign. Uh, and Will Power on the podium. Good job for the team Penske drivers. And Scotty on Twitter too. That yeah, was some oh yeah, quality was some hot, hot tweeting around, around the NASCAR race. Um, hot that you can finish an IndyCar race at 3.30 in mid-Ohio and be home in Charlotte by 5.30 and on oh. the couch watching beer, with beers watching your mate race NASCAR. Uh, the Penske private jet life, I reckon, is uh, pretty decent. So that's definitely a hot. Um, hot. Bathurst 12 hour future prospects. Hey, Tay. I'm going to leave it that. Um, follow on hot. Uh, anyone who follows uh, Shane Rudzis, who's the event director of the 12 hour on Facebook, uh, basically borderline spam. In fact, why we didn't give him the keys to the event social accounts, I don't know, because. Uh, at one place, he was at the EDM concert at the bottom of Rouge, and then the next spot, he was taking artsy videos of GT cars on the Camel Strait, and he was out on pit lane. But um, the event director of the 12-hour, representing our race really, really well. So uh, good stuff, Shane, and uh, I, I think that will, and Paulie Martin there too, I think that will lead very well for the Bathurst 12-hour. And uh, my final hot, um, not just because it's contractually bound, uh, Paul Chapane Dixon, Career Cup Australia this weekend at... Townsville, they've had six different race winners from the last six races in that part of the world. So it is entirely predictably unpredictable Carrera Cup uh, at that street circuit. So I'm very much looking forward to joining my buddies Craig Lowndes and Chad Nailon to bring that action to you this weekend on Fox, KO and 7. Two hots with me and they're all three letters. SVG and two slash zero. Oh, all. So right. one of them's three letters the other one is two numbers and a dash but the same right. sort of thing I like yeah. it I like cool. it uh, on that SVG, how about this for a body of work? Three-time supercar champ, two-time Bathurst champ but who cares about that because bloody a lot of people have that one-time NASCAR winner a one-time NASCAR winner one in open wheelers, Formula Ford, New Zealand Grand Prix which he won from the pit lane He's been in the World Rally Championship 2 podium, top 10 overall in the WRC, although in fairness, he only just took up rallying. So, yeah, he'll he'll get good at that. Uh, he took up <laughs> sprint cars last summer, and by the last meet, he was a feature race winner. Uh, GT3, fastest ever lap around Bathurst. He's won the 12-hour, won GT races at Silverstone, Nürburgring, Monza, Paul Ricard. Uh, he's finished second in class at the Daytona 24, top five Le Mans 24, raced Alan Pete. Two uh, raced in the Porsche Carrera Cup Pro Am back in the day. Uh, well, time attack success. Production cars won the Bathurst six hour. One in New Zealand Super Tourist drifting RC cars, I racing such as the All Star E Series. Although we still suspect that might have been his cat. We haven't had that confirmed yet. Uh, and then he 
his grounding had success in quad bikes, motocross, quarter midgets, go-karts, and Formula V. So He was a New Zealand Formula Ford champion too, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Oh, you finished? Uh, no, no, just that bit there. So according to Driver <laughs> Database, in his entire career, he's got a winning rate of 18.7% and a podium rate of 39.7%. Across That's his crazy. whole career. He's 34 years old, so he's got a bit of winning still to go. Mm. Uh, in Chicago, and he's charged from 18th, he passed cars at turns 11, 4, 7, 6, 1, 2, 12, and 3. So that means that he didn't pass cars at 5, 8, 9, or 10, which was a bit Not of a letdown for the team. Yeah. Really, when you think about it. Uh, the last win by a road course ringer in a NASCAR Cup Series race was Mark Donahue in an AMC Matador for Roger Penske at Riverside in 1973. Johnny Rutherford was the last debutant to win a points-paying cup race, which was a qualifying race for the Daytona 500 for Smokey Eunuch in 1963. So uh, these don't these things don't happen very often. Old Shane's over there ticking up some uh, stats. That was Jamie's four years before out. I was even born. My Lord. Yeah. Like Jamie's come out and said, if he wants to go next year, he can. We can... We can figure out contracts. They're just written on paper. Um, you go back to when Ambrose went over there, they just didn't let him go straight out into the big ovals. He had to go and earn his stripes on the small ovals first. So is there a pathway to maybe do some short oval racing well, some if stage? If you're Justin Marks, uh, and based on the feedback that that result alone has got, and you're one of the better commercial gurus in the paddock, if, if you couldn't sell a 15 race schedule that's based on the road course, straight course and short oval program. And to then, a mobile phone company over here in Australia. <laughs> and then, oh God, the posting would be insufferable, wouldn't it? Uh, and then um, and then build him up to the super speedway stuff, then I'd be very surprised. But um, I'm yeah, pretty but... confident NASCAR would let him go straight on. You don't need a super license to race NASCAR, Mark. So I'm pretty confident that uh, they'd probably just let him go. I How about this? Um, changed somewhat. Justin Marks owns uh, one of the lower league series with Dale Earnhardt Jr. Dale Earnhardt's got a seat open at uh, Motorsport mm. next year with uh, Josh Berry stepping up to take over Kevin Harvick's seat, have a season in the preliminaries there. Daniel Suarez off contract the next year, 25 in cup. There you go. Done. We've sorted all the world's problems. So that would be great. And he'll win uh, four races next year because he'll win Coda, Watkins Glen, Sonoma and Chicago again. So... Yeah. yeah, he'll be a five-time NASCAR winner before he even starts his full-time career. And also, uh, hot goes to those who got on SVG on Sportsbet at thirty-one dollars. Oh, oh really? <laughs> Aren't they looking clever? Market. That is robbery. <laughs> Wowie, Brian. That's big. That uh, if I if I that's one of the few <clears throat> times I wish I'd betted because yep. I would have seen those odds and I would have put an enormous amount of money on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And knowing um, me, I would have had it in a five-leg multi, and that would have been the only leg that I Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, hot goes to Max Verstappen. He has been beaten, and we figured out it's all machinery, apparently, because uh, given equal equipment with Yuki Sonoda in a monster truck race, he got beat. Yeah. yeah. Good so stuff. think about that. Uh, now, lads, I've made the executive call. This time next year, we will be in Thailand for the Bang Sen International Podcast Festival. Correct. It is on the absolute top of the list for Done. me now. Look, I've done a lot of commentary over the years, but it's just not a wagon that I push anymore. But I'm absolutely all in on calling that event. Richard Shebex, I'll let yep. you lads look after the international name pronunciations because I've been aware. I've heard you guys say words and you're very good at it. I can provide the expert comments because 
as a rubbish driver myself, I feel I could relate to what's happening on circuit <laughs> and I'm amply qualified to uh, call that. Look, Bang San is hot. They had the Grand Prix over there on the weekend. It was amazing. What is not was the uh, track inspection with Tim Schenken, James Taylor and Craig Baird, which they broadcast in a bit of a downtime between <laughs> a couple of the races, uh, almost in its entirety. In fact, I'd say the uh, editing probably didn't do it a lot of favours, to be completely <laughs> honest with you. Uh, there's a lot of really good stuff in there. And by really good stuff, I mean all the really embarrassing things that were entirely shonky and really quite dangerous. Uh, <laughs> things like, you know, retaining walls, collapsing on the track, mm. arm code that they forgot to bolt down, minor details like <laughs> that. So uh, I'm in love and I'll be in Thailand this time next year. So see you there. Fantastic. Also, hot goes to one of the uh, leading McLaren teams that was called Full Function Wang Poo. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, I'll commentate yeah. about that all day, every yeah. day. <laughs> Full function Wang Poo. Yeah, no, so, we're we're going. I've made some preliminary inquiries about uh, excellent access Done. to that. So we're uh, we're on. Uh, uh, Jeff Gluck, he was on our podcast. That was good. Yep. Um, good news. Dacia is to enter the 2025 Dakar Rally with Sebastian Loeb. I hope it's a Dacia duster. When you're over in Europe, you see them everywhere. Most of them are brown. Surely the uh, for the Dakar, the Dacia. Sandero, Sandero would be the Righto. more appropriate car. Good. Uh, and listener Hayden has chimed in on the Twitter while Twitter's still a thing. My good sir, I'm hoping you're planning on coming to the Eastern Creek Supercars round that is coming up soon. Due to your warranted love for the Pizza Hut dining restaurant, I'd like to invite you to the Windsor, New South Wales, or you can eat and all of its retro goodness. It's only 20 minutes from the track. Yes, we're there. We're there. Well, um, this... Um, it has, it, it'd have to be Friday night because Saturday is the supercars race, or are we just going to blow the supercars race and go to Pizza Hut? I'm going to skip work on Friday to drive up there. Yeah, great. This is, well, is going to happen. Well, let's then, this is TR, beers on TRT. Oh. Or maybe it's all you can eat pizza on TRT. This is going to happen. This is going we to just happen. lean into the skid and rebrand this podcast? There's a lot of Pizza Hut talk, really, if well, we are honest. And Taylor Swift, alarmingly. I like it. All right, and and hot to the fact that this is probably the longest running podcast we've done. Well, it's good, but it's, it's all actually good content all, for once. It so is that's great nice. content. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you, boys, for providing it. <laughs> Catch you next time, Bye. right here on the grid. <laughs>